Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. With season 47 just around the corner, we're back to break down the latest host and cast announcements and just generally get pumped up for SNL's return. I'm Katherine Coleman, and I'm joined this week by who else but John Murray and Steve Finn. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so over at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy this full-length supporter-only version of this week's episode. And if you like what you see, you can find all of our unabridged ad-free video coverage of Saturday Night Live exclusively at patreon.com slash snlpodcast. It's our supporters who make this show possible. We are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. All right, here we go. Welcome back, guys. Good to see you. Hey, it's been so lovely. Months since I've seen either of your your sterling faces. Uh, Not true at all, but hey, we'll we'll, we'll go with it because the the podcast (laughs) has been... Yeah, we, we haven't really um, done much this summer because, uh, well, at least Catherine and I have had a couple other things on the go that we might talk a little bit more about. But um, before we, we uh, get into anything, um, I just got to say, Catherine, your intro, the energy level, the enthusiasm, just I was feeling pumped like that. I'm my, my big note to you is always, more, you know, faster, more intense. And uh, I mm-hmm. feel like you're there. I feel like season 47 is going to be your season wow. You're coming into your own. So I'm kudos on that. It took me a bit, but I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you so yes. much. Uh, the, the compliments from John are rare. So that my ego is pretty big from here on out. Um, yeah. You got to, you got to no bring me down tonight, <laughs> but yeah, I'm still so, waiting for my first compliment from John. Well, like, like I said, you got to earn it. You got to earn it, Steve. It'll happen someday. Keep working buddy. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been a long summer. There's been tons and tons of speculation about returns and hires and hosts and, uh, you know, they, they really drew it out down to the wire here where we just now got, uh, some, some cast announcements as we record this yesterday. The host announcements came last week. Uh, and so, you know, they're, they're already working right now while we're, uh, while we're recording this. So they made us wait and I'm ready mm-hmm. to dive in because I, I really missed you guys. So, but before we do, let's just, let's just catch up the viewers. What's everyone been up to? John, what, where are you right now? Cause this is not your normal setup. Yeah, so um I am living in a trailer. Uh this is uh recreational homelessness. I, I bought an RV um to put my kids around North America visiting national parks and uh we're doing it. Uh, despite COVID, we are we are out and about. We're we're touring Ontario. We're in a little town called Tobermory and uh we're just having a ball. We've been on the road for a few months now and uh it's been great. So yeah, that's uh that's that's kind of what I'm doing now. Um and uh, obviously, you know, there's something that you and I have been doing as well, but uh I'll leave it to you to uh get into that whenever you're ready. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh and and Steve, uh you just mentioned to me that you graduated. So congratulations. Thank you. <gasps> great. Uh, eight. Yeah. It took you a little while, but uh <laughs> yeah. we're all we're all really proud. Yeah. I'm still figuring figuring out who I'm taking to prom, uh, but no, it's it's been great. You know, I, I decided to get at school uh, pretty much nonstop since COVID hit, and mm-hmm. why not? The time was going to pass anyway, and uh, yeah, came out the other end, and uh, yeah, still working for CBC, doing some Very production nice. on uh, you know a morning radio show that not a lot of people are awake for, but hey. Steve will will be a big radio personality one day. Uh, 
I can't wait for it. We we'll just need to, I think, time travel maybe for that to happen. Absolutely. Because <laughs> we're nowhere near it. If you're impatient, you'll have to. <laughs> but yeah, uh, well, that's great. I've been, you know, just doing my sketch comedy thing. I've, I'm on, I'm on a team with Boogie Mondra called Wilburn. Um, uh, we, we perform occasional Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> there's no real i think it's like every six weeks maybe i don't know mm. um and then i also just got hired to direct a sketch team at the laugh index theater based out of dc so that's been fun we're getting that going Sweet. uh and that'll be the fourth wednesday of every month and, now you're doing uh, a lot of this remote right obviously if you're involved in a troop mm-hmm. in dc you're doing all that remotely good to have many irons in the fire <laughs> yeah lot, lots of comedy being made but the thing that's taken up most of my time has been hanging out with john doing where we were when our podcast that we're producing with none other than heidi gardner yeah yeah how how was that for uh, an unexpected uh summer covid treat um so i'm, I'm just gonna yeah, lay it out there, that coming at all there's there's probably you know more than a, a few people that probably haven't been exposed to it um i think we talked a little bit about it in uh our season 46 coverage but um, now that we've got it, you know, it's out for people to be able to experience, we should probably yeah. uh, just give people the the breakdown. So in the spring, um, Heidi and her brother, Justin, they'd been batting around wanting to do a podcast of, of some sort. They'd reached out to some uh, production and funding uh, places out on the West Coast, uh, ultimately decided they wanted to do it themselves. So they had to figure out, well, you know, like, who who do we know that we could collaborate with? And, um, so discussions happened and we just kind of buckled down over the break here between seasons because Heidi had time. We had time and, uh, yeah, we've got, I think we've put out 11 episodes. We've got four more in the can that we're going to be dropping in October and it's been a a ton of fun. Like I, I've, I've known Heidi previously, um, but not like super well. So there's always a, like a little bit of, uh, maybe not intimidation but her personality looms large right like when you're around a celebrity right, so, yeah. you know especially someone you're a fan of uh it's hard to just kind of like be casual and normal and like just uh, see them as a peer or a friend um but now we've clocked how many dozens of hours you know uh <laughs> with, with them and because of the nature of the podcast you're getting to know them just by listening to the the show and, and producing it and when you're editing it like you're you're hearing uh their life story basically um so we've we've really just had a a really fun opportunity to get to know Heidi a lot better and um be able to go on this this ride of um them kind of digging back into their childhood and and talking about like the seminal movie going experiences of their youth uh, that is uh, an infinitely fascinating thing to to listen to, and so we've we've really enjoyed that. Uh, and we'd of course encourage everyone to go check it out, so they can find it on YouTube where we were when. Um, yeah, not hard to find. Of course, we'll put a link in the show notes and all that good stuff. And there might be I don't know just a, a couple fun guests coming up in October. I don't know who that might be, but uh, people who are fans of this show, particularly this episode, they might want to tune in in October because maybe some of the guests, you know, it it might be you know the kind of people that they would it could enjoy be a crossover event. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, we'll just we'll we'll leave that hanging out there. We'll see what comes of it. But anyways, it's uh, so far been a really fun ride and that's why we haven't put out a lot of snl after party episodes like vintage and off-season stuff because honestly like Catherine, you've just been working around the clock editing these things so we, we just <laughs> couldn't put more on your plate very busy um, we can always get back to snl but what like do you have any like 
Was, was there like a moment that you want to share with everyone? I mean, there's just been a million, but you know, right. we don't have to get into that. I mainly, I think, take this as our official disclaimer that the SNL after party is fully biased towards Heidi Gardner now. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All objectivity is mean, the, the, mo- the The most lovely, kind, thoughtful person. And I'm just, it's been such a wild ride and so fun. And she's, she's just great. And like, I already loved her prior to this. And now I'm like, I, I just can't wait for her to be even more successful than she already is because she, she I feel like, I mean, she's my friend and mm-hmm. she's just lovely. It's, um, it's been great, but yeah, we, uh, definitely, definitely are, uh, biased now. And I think <laughs> sure. we've rubbed that in for Steve enough. So let's move on to the state of the show. John, let our listeners know what's going on this season. Yeah. Okay. So the, the big news is no news. Um, I just really want to let people know because we haven't done much over the summer. I didn't want anyone to think that we're not, you know, committed to our coverage of season 47. Of course we are. Uh, we just you know, had to jump at the opportunity for a, a really fun side project. Um, but we're back. Can you play? We're, us? yeah, we're, we're going to be producing the show same as we did last season, but we're going to, we're, we're going to try and up our game a little bit. The big push this season is we're trying to bring in a lot of fresh voices. Um, hopefully a lot of people in the comedy sphere because we don't, I never wanted the show to be like pundits so much as people passionate about sketch comedy. And I think that that's really the, the, the big thing that we've been able to bring to the table through the cast um, is bringing in comedians, sketch performers, people that just really know the craft of it and can really appreciate what they're seeing on the show when they see a sketch that's really well executed and can really speak to that um, because they've been in the trenches themselves. So we're going to try and be, uh, pulling in as many fresh voices as we can uh, in that vein, and also bringing back some people that uh, the audience enjoyed last season. So that's that's kind of where our thinking is at. But our coverage isn't going to change. We're going to uh, be attempting to get these things. I th- yeah, the patrons are going to get theirs Monday night, and then uh, you know shortly thereafter, we're going to be putting out the public version. Our Patreon tiers, nothing's changed there. If you want to get the audio podcast, you get everything we put out for two ninety nine a month. If you want the video podcast, uh, the, the full length unabridged ad free version, uh, that's $4 a month. Um, that's, that's the long and short of it. We're back. We're, we're here. We're going to try and bring our best and, uh, try and up our game as far as the voices that, uh, are part of the after party. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. All right. Well, let's get into all this news. You ready? Oh yeah. All right. Well, up first, sadly, we do have a little bit of sad news to tackle and that a few weeks ago. The legendary Norm Macdonald passed away from cancer. Uh, it was a big blow to not just the SNL community, but you know the comedy community at large. And I know Steve; he's he's one of your favorites. So I wanted to give you the chance to you know he is, say something nice about him. He is one of my favorites, and you know I hope everybody out there is going down the YouTube rabbit hole <laughs> of all the late night appearances he's made on Conan and Letterman. Uh, because there's there's just so much you get into you could get into. He was right. one of the best uh just, you know, riffers out there. <laughs> and he had a way of getting getting away with some of the most shocking material in a, in a way that very few could. And he will be missed. You know, I respect the fact that he he kept it from the public eye that he was sick. Obviously, we were all surprised because it was never spoken about, but uh, I mean, I kind of get it. You know, we, he went out and all we ever talked about was how funny he was. And, and we never spoke about, you know, how funny he was 
for how sick he was. That was never part of the conversation. And, and, uh, I'm glad that he gave us that. And I'm, I'm glad that we had him because he was, he was one of the best. And, uh, yeah, he'll be missed. So go down that rabbit hole and, uh, <laughs> take in all the Norm McDonald material you can. John, do you have a favorite Norm moment? Oh, I, well, not one like in my back pocket that I was planning on talking about. Rather than like a specific moment, I, I think what's worth saying about Norm MacDonald is that you could, you could tell that, well, you could tell a couple of things. One, he was really, really good at sort of playing dumb and he could get away with what he got away with because he would kind of act like, well, isn't this just common knowledge or like, isn't uh, he would act a little oblivious or like a little shocked that anyone wouldn't be in total agreement with what he was saying. And that's all part of the shtick. That's, that's part of what Norm did, but he took his comedy beyond just the jokes, which he could deliver in, in like a, a really like, um, clever, unique Norm style. But there was just something about his personality that fed into his comedy, though, the, just the way that he would speak casually, you wouldn't know when he was starting to set up a joke. It's not like he ever went into joke mode. It was just Norm was just always sort of like seeking and locking in on the next funny thing. And I just don't know if he ever understood how unique and special his voice was, um, but it, it truly was. Next weekend update. We need to have at least one OJ one liner. And a I hope so. breaks the long punchline. Yeah, no, they surely the 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 show's got to do something uh, special. He wasn't not that there's any unspecial players, but he wasn't just any SNL player. You know, Norm Macdonald. There's a there's a legend. There's a myth. There's there's just so much history and and uh, controversy with his SNL tenure. There, I hope they come up with something fitting uh, to to send him off right. Well. We can discuss that next week because I'm sure yeah. they're going to do something. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll find out. It'd be weird, really weird if they didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but for sure, we lost a very unique voice. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's sad, but let, let's shift into some good news. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we should have led All with right. that, you know. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, right. mo- moving right Hard along. Hard to segue out. But <laughs> anyway, next week, uh, we have the premiere. This yes. Saturday, October 2nd, streaming live on Peacock with host Owen Wilson, musical guest Casey Musgraves, and that will be followed by three more shows. They're coming out of the gate four in a row. So we have October 9th, Kim Kardashian West and Halsey, October 16th with Rami Malik and Young Thug, and October 23rd with Jason Sudeikis and Brandy Carlisle. And I think you can tell by just how I said it, which one of those I'm most excited about. But Steve, tell me what your thoughts are on these hosts and musical guests. I just want to know why she's still going by Kim Kardashian West. Uh, is that also confused? Like, don't I don't know. know. It's not like a regular divorce where it's like, oh, it's it's on my driver's license. Yeah, it's, it's just easier this way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's literally the, the name you give your persona. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say I'm looking forward to Kim just out of curiosity, you know, uh, how, however, that's going to go. It's, it's, it's like your Elon Musk or your Giuliani type host, right? It's, it's hard to gauge the people who aren't used where we aren't used to having entertain us, at least not in a acting performing kind of way. Right. Uh, 
But for like Rami Malik, I mean, that's a first timer host. That's going to be great. Everybody uh, who's seen Mr. Robot or, uh, I mean, say what you will about uh, the Queen movie, but, uh, you know, Rami's performance was amazing. Yeah, uh, he wasn't what was wrong there. He wasn't what was wrong. He's not to blame for for the issues you might take with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be a good set of hosts. Owen Wilson's been on fire. Jason Sudeikis has been on fire. If you've been into a lot of streaming television, these are these are the people who've come into your living room. So there's a lot of people looking forward to this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think all four are worth t- tuning into. If you ask me. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm I think I think it's a good lineup. I mean, Kim Kardashian West is not you know m- my first pick, but it'll definitely be an interesting show. You know, I'm intrigued to see what happens uh i think the musical guests are really standing out so casey musgraves i think is great halsey's great brandy carlisle's great uh know a little less about young thug but uh i'm really excited about those i'm intrigued by the order of this because i think everyone had jason sudeikis pegged to host the premiere Mm. uh so i'm assuming maybe there was a scheduling thing there uh because owen wilson i mean you know the loki show you know is is big but I would describe Ted Lasso as a bigger deal. So I definitely expected him to come out of the gate. And as a huge Ted Lasso fan and a huge Jason Sudeikis fan, (laughs) I cannot wait for October 23rd. That's going to be an epic episode. I'm intrigued to see, you know, which which sketches they choose to bring back, which characters they choose to bring back. And, you know, if we get a Ted Lasso parody, uh, that would be really fun. Uh, So that that one's definitely the one that's sticking out to me the most. Uh, John, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, that's the one that sticks out the most to me too. Cause I, I've, I've been saying, you know, anytime we get listener questions and like, who do you want to see host? Mm-hmm. He's the one alumni that I'm, I'm like, how, how is he not hosting? Like he's had such a stable and strong career since leaving the show that I would have pegged him like an Andy Samberg or someone who comes back within a season or two, something like that. And we haven't seen him yet. And so I was just always wondering, like, is he going to crest and no longer be relevant and kind of miss that window? But it turns out you know, he's just getting started like it, this Ted Lasso thing. <laughs> how many, how many Emmys did it just uh, garner? Like all of them? You won 10. Yeah. So um, I, it's kind of serendipity that the show held off on bringing him in or he held off on coming in because uh, you're not going to get a better moment than this. So happy that yeah. he's finally mm-hmm. booked. The nice thing about a Jason Sudeikis show is that we don't know for sure, but I have to assume there's going to be some friends of the show in the mix on that. Like, I bet he's going to want to revisit a couple of things and we're going to see some familiar faces. If that's the case, all the better. I like alumni shows. They're always tent poles for me. Mm-hmm. So um, that's definitely the one I'm looking forward to the rest. All wildcard spots. Um, Owen Wilson. I would not have pegged that Kim Kardashian. I've never watched an episode of the Kardashians. Uh, I'm more of a fan of her early work. Um, and as far as who's the <laughs> host? Oh, Remy Malik. Um, I and I really enjoyed the Queen movie, so that's that's where you know I'm surprised that <laughs> I was surprised that he actually didn't host earlier when when that w- was kind of like mm-hmm. his big vehicle because that was I I thought a performance that was praised at the time. So, um, yeah, that's really all I got on that. Yeah, well, I'm definitely excited to see how these shake out. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. Our next piece of news: there's a new director in town. Uh, Don Roy King has exited the show after a. 14-year run that won him 11 Emmys. Including uh, one this year. I wish year. him nothing but the best. Including right. one this year, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, I think he's he, he did a great job. This is a show that I don't think 
it's possible to understand or imagine how difficult it is to direct. Uh, so, you know, best of luck to our new director, who is Liz Patrick. Uh, I'm very excited to see what she brings. She's directed the Ellen DeGeneres show as well as uh, a lot of Ellen's other shows, like the Game of Games and, you know, all those other specials that Ellen puts together. And then she also spent 15 years at MTV doing TRL in the 90s and a lot of their live stuff over, you know, uh, early 2000s and stuff. So um, definitely interested to see how this goes. You know, they've said that there's nothing you can do to prepare for directing SNL. So uh, definitely interested to see, you know, what we can garner about Liz Patrick's vision for SNL over these four, four episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you guys have any any thoughts on this, John? I wish I had some kind of a hot take, but I, I really don't like the, these transitions happen every decade or so. Um, and the show goes on like the, the show is so um, industrialized for lack of a better word, like modularized, like it, all the pieces have been documented now for 40 plus years and all the kinks have been assessed and worked out. And um, even though it is a feat that it, it gets on air each week, so much of it comes down to everybody just knowing their role and executing well. And so much of that is out of the director's hands. Like the director is the glue. The director is the one that on the fly has to be, you know, really sharp and in the moment and and just solving problems in their head before they become problems. Like I can't understate how important it is to have a, a, a great director, a great quarterback, so to speak. But, um, the show is, uh, such a machine and there's so many talented people there underneath the director, um, helping to realize, uh, the director's vision in the moment that I'm not even slightly worried, you know, and, uh, even if the first couple episodes feel a little fumbly and it's just like, they're getting their sea legs. Well, we, we had some fumbly episodes under the best directors we've ever had in the show too, right? Like every week is, is a different crazy. So, um, even if coming out of this first stretch of episodes, we're like, Oh, that felt a little shakier. There's just a different feel to it or something. Don't read into it because that's probably half just the placebo of you watching extra careful to, to see where the scenes are um, and see if anything's not coming together quite right. But remember SNL is never perfect. It's it, it gets filtered through the director and it's always brilliant and wonderful for what it is, but it's never perfect. And I wouldn't expect that from this director either. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm just interested, you know, there'll be any, anything new you know maybe maybe something slightly different we could see from this person steve you got any uh brilliant insight well you know it's interesting that she comes from a background working with mtv uh seems to be a great place to cut your teeth if you want to direct for snl uh beth mm-hmm. mccarthy miller had a uh similar start i don't know about start but she uh she certainly had some experience there seems like the perfect training ground to to end up on snl what's well, Let's talk about our next topic, which is the uh, the writer's room. And there's not really much to discuss there because for whatever reason, they just refuse to tell us anything about that until the credits roll on the premiere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have I, I, maybe nothing... I'm the only one who cares. Maybe that's maybe that's what that is. We have nothing official to report. There has been a little bit of turnover. So, no. you know, that will be forthcoming. But um, we're not the show to... Um, I don't know to to yeah. spoil things or whatever. Whenever SNL's ready to say what SNL's going to say, then we'll find out more about that. We'll um, yeah. So that'll be you know that'll be a conversation for maybe after the premiere. For sure. The only thing we know for sure is that Sudi Green uh, right. left. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we'll discuss the rest of those changes next week. But for mm-hmm. now, let's roll on to the big piece of news, which is what everyone really is here for, and right. that's the cast changes. 
Uh, this is all anyone ever really wants to talk about in September. Uh, it's what the, we've been waiting on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they love to string us along as long as they can. <laughs> so we just found out we've got to, we're going to do this weird thing we've decided up front. We're going to talk about some, the, the sad part first and then circle around. So first of all is that Lauren Holt featured player last season has been released. Um, I'm pretty bummed about that. I talked in the postseason extravaganza about how I, I really thought that she was talented. I, I just liked her energy and her vibe. She seems like a very genuine, nice person. I think I identified with her on some level. So I'm actually just really bummed to see Lauren go before really having much of a chance. You know, in a cast that big in a COVID season, I, I personally hoped that there would be maybe a little more benefit of the doubt given uh but you know also i'm not behind the scenes so i don't know mm-hmm. if there was you know what's going on but definitely sad about that uh steve do you have any any parting thoughts on lauren holt i'm sorry to see her go but looking at uh some of the success that uh some of the oneers of snl cast history are getting these days and by oneers i mean cast members that have lasted only one season if that wasn't obvious enough um <laughs> uh, but uh I'd be mean, looking at Noel Wells, look at uh, Tim Robinson. Uh, even John Roditsky has got a regular gig on some dance show on Fox. So, hey, it's not a bad time to be a one and done SNL uh, veteran. Mm-hmm. And uh, as fleeting and, and ephemeral as that experience was for her, uh, that's definitely going to make a difference in where her career is going to go after. Yeah, the do- the doors are still going to open up uh, just from one season. Uh, John, you got anything? Uh, n- nothing brilliant. You know, like we didn't see much of her and that never is a good sign. Obviously, you know, we kind of saw the writing on the wall that way. Um, the one weekend update that she really got to sink her teeth into, I didn't consider it an unqualified success. Like it wasn't the debut for her that I wanted. And I just could kind of feel the steam going out of her tenure at that point um it's always a shame to see because you know it's such a loaded cast and there's only so much screen time and it's it's just not a place that everyone can thrive especially when we have a a huge cast like we do um so you know you you know that there's going to be some cuts and we're not going to like all of them but the show has to craft the the tightest meanest like you know punchiest ensemble they can figure out how to make and uh it just you know it it wasn't something that was going to be a good fit for lauren yeah, it's definitely a bummer. Uh, but maybe probably the bigger bummer is that the news dropped that Beck Bennett is leaving the show. Isn't that and a this bummer? Is, this is a sad it's the one. Biggest is bummer. it? Is I it think, big I mean, Bennett it's, bummer? It's, it's, it's mixed. Like, it is, he had a great run. He's been there for a while. You know, we've talked at length about, you know, the show moving on to a new generation, but it, it, even if you're ready for it, it's still like the end of an era, right? It's still sure. a little sad. Oh, I wish it was the end of an era. That's that's kind of the the weird thing here is that this Beck is true. Leaving yeah. is hardly like the cast churn that so many in the mm-hmm. like hardcore fan community have been asking for for years. Um, right. Maybe you know, maybe he's the 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 crack in the dam. You know, like maybe he's the first one out the door, mm-hmm. but it's gonna just sort of embolden the the rest of them to move on too. We we don't know, but um. I, I know in the show notes, uh, you had something like, oh, Beck Bennett leaving and you, you were going to like throw to me because you thought maybe I was going to be was, crestfallen. But... Um, not the case. Not the case. Like, I, I don't okay. think the show um, 
I, 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 I liked him on the show. He did wonderful work and I'm excited to free up that, that air time for, uh, other players. You know, we, we just, we have a big cast and he's not the one that I want to see more of because I saw everything that he could bring to okay. SNL and it was wonderful for what it was. He played dopey dad. He played, um, really, really just pitiful characters that you just love to hate. Like he, he had some really great character moments on the show. Uh, you know, he's everything from Stav D to Jules, you know, like I, I'm not lacking for Beck content. So by all means, right. go do something awesome. He's, I'm sure he's got some sort of development deal cooking. He's going to do something. Um, I, I do not fear for Beck and, uh, I want to say I'm going to miss him, but honestly, I'm just, I'm happy that he's, he's going out on top, right? Like he, he took SNL for mm -hmm. all it's worth. If he stayed at this point, what else is he going to do on the show? That is going to be more memorable than what we already saw. It's a good time to leave. So I'm, I'm happy for Beck that he's going. That's, that's fair. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with you. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. I'm not good at change. Like I recognize <laughs> it's time for people to move on. Like there's definitely no shortage of cast members to like take up roles or, and you know, we have plenty of talented, uh, you know white male cast members as well uh yeah. but it, i don't know it's still it's still just like it's a little bit sad you know just just i don't i don't know i'm not good at change so <laughs> while i'm i'm both e i'm like simultaneously eager for a turnover that you know we're ultimately not getting but also like am i still probably going to cry when kate mckinnon leaves yes sure. um steve how are you feeling about beck uh i think beck is one just one of them who is uh who's leaving this year he's just the only one who's deciding to leave before they get anything started mm -hmm. i think we're going to see a big purge uh come christmas time okay now don't okay. quote me on it don't mark my words that's just how okay, well I they've feel been like. marked so <laughs> yeah yeah they've been documented okay but i'm not saying that uh, i'm making a, a confident prediction this is a uh, speculation at at most uh but I, I see that happening i see at least two out of three of the uh kate cecily 80 trio leaving and and maybe some more but for the time being i'm sad to see beck go but like john said we got eight years of content of of beck and out of those eight years beck has had more screen time than a lot of other performers so yeah. on yeah. top of the eight years he's had a lot of those eight years, uh, you know, piled up a lot of memorable performances, more than average, you could say. So uh, I'm happy, but also curious about uh, Kyle staying on. As we know, they're buds. They came in together as part of an already uh, existing team. Uh, but Kyle was always the weirder one. You know, Beck was <laughs> the one, and this is probably why he had so much screen time, because he could go be a weirdo with kyle but also had a conventional enough look that if they needed a lady uh you know a leading man uh you know he could fill yeah, those maybe, roles maybe a little too. more range he had more range and as an auxiliary player for snl he had a lot of value uh they're not losing that they we still have alex we still have a lot of conventionally handsome white dudes <laughs> uh you know if you need a uh you know an another uh bachelor type uh, stand in for one of those sketches, but yeah, uh, he will be missed. And, uh, I look forward to talking about how 
whoever leaves at, in Christmas <laughs> at Christmas time will be missed as well. Okay. But don't yeah, mark, well, mark my words. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> well, yeah. So we've we've sort of sort of tipped our hand here a little bit, you know, because the next thing that we we're going to discuss is that the good and bad news is that everyone else is coming back. Yeah. Uh, so this is. And, you know, as we'll get to in a minute, we got three new featured players to discuss, which I believe puts the cast at 21, if I've counted correctly. And that's a big number. So I could have easily miscounted it. Yes. Uh, the, the biggest cast ever. So, I mean, we sort of got into it a little bit there. But, Steve, you know, are, I know you said you think a lot of people are going to go. How do you think it's going to sort of shake out? How are you feeling for as long as all 21 of these people are there? What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, that's part of the reason I predicted what I said early, earlier, because I don't think they'd be going for a record-breaking number of casts if they didn't know about it getting a little bit mm-hmm. smaller as time went on. Uh, losing two and gaining three makes the cast one bigger and <laughs> a little bit fresher. I mean, one of the people we lost right. was Lauren Holt. She wasn't exactly stale bread. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it freshens up the cast a little bit, but that... Uh, that fresh ratio has got to take the advantage of, of losing a couple of more older people uh, before this cast starts to make sense. We're in an mm-hmm. awkward phase uh, of SNL where people will look back and be surprised that some of these performers were in the same cast at some point. Yeah, it definitely seems like we're in a lengthy era that also is having a lengthy transition. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sold on people leaving at Christmas. We'll see. Cause I know, or I've seen reports that like Kate's not going to be there until November. She's like filming. I think the Joe exotic thing. Uh, uh, I'm thinking maybe some other people have commitments and they'll be in and out. Kind of like we saw last season, you know, now that that door's open, I'm, I'm, you know, maybe, maybe that's going to be a bigger thing. You know, maybe people have projects and they'll be in and out more. So, you know, we won't always have 21 people there at any given time. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm really interested to see how it plays out. You know, with SNL is already, it's so hard to get airtime as we've seen years and years. And now the cast keeps getting bigger. I don't see how, how it's possible to have, you know, that many people. And so if you have 21 people in the building for a show, you're only going to see half of them. I feel like there's just, there's just not a great chance to get even a second of screen time if you're there and there's also 20 other people acting in the show. So it's going to be interesting to see how that spreads out. Um, and yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, you know, we, we, we already said Lauren knows what he's doing. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm sure there is some sort of plan. There is some sort of reason. It just has yet to be revealed to us yet. Um, so yeah, John, how, what are you thinking? Well, I'll, I'll take a run at trying to figure out what the reason is because the fans, the, the fans that care to pick this stuff apart because we don't have like insider access to the producers and, you know, we, we, we can't be the fly on the wall to understand what's driving these decisions. We tend to look at SNL and judge these decisions when they drop based on how SNL has conducted itself in the past. And so we, we always kind of assume that what we've seen up to now on SNL is how SNL is supposed to be. So anytime there's a curveball or there's something that just doesn't seem to fit the mold, we think, well, what's the show doing? They're, they're, they're breaking the rules. You know, they're not, they're not building the ensemble the way that 
I believe SNL is supposed to build an ensemble. So obviously they've gone mad and I know better. And, and it, you know, it's very easy to get very, um, just worked up thinking that we know what the ensemble is supposed to be. And I think the, the fair assessment of SNL is that there has never in the history of SNL been a standard on what the ensemble is supposed to be or how long people are supposed to be there or how many people are supposed to be in the cast or how it's supposed to break down demographically. There's just, there's never been a template or like an era that you can point to that is the quintessential. This is perfect SNL ensemble. This is what they should always be trying to emulate moving forward. It's always a product of the budgets on hand, the contract obligations already in place, the, the needs of, the ensemble based on the culture around them, like what kind of comedy is making sense for the show at that time or who they need for political impressions or whatever it is. There's, there's a million things that are always in flux. And on top of that, as the show becomes more of an institution, it's less beholden to some of the, um, just sort of the, the circumstance that was foisted on it in the past. You know, I'm sure that the producers have learned over time that, the show is a more stable beast and more predictable and just easier to work with when you don't have big rebuilding years or when you don't have Mm -hmm. like just a whole cast turnover like they had in the mid nineties or whatever. I think that they make these decisions based on the idea of having as little um, audience jarring level change year to year. I think they would like SNL to just be this sort of like slow moving Creek that just kind of washes these players downstream at its own pace. And it's, it's not something where everyone's supposed to come or go at a certain time or eras are supposed to be blocked out in five-year chunks or whatever. Like we've had eras in the past because that's just how things worked out. It wasn't because the show was saying, well, here's the line in the sand for this era. We need to rebuild now. It was foisted on them. Mm -hmm. And because it isn't foisted on them anymore and they've learned how to much like a sports team, continue to build out their bench and and um you know just feed into their ensemble subtly year over year and try out more people year over year and be willing to cut people year over year that they aren't in a position where they have to do big rebuilding years and i think that's the motivation i think i think that the snl fan community just has included into the idea that snl isn't trying to turn over their cast they are trying to preserve the mm-hmm. talent that is going to you know, get them viewers and, and turn out the best possible show. They're trying to preserve as much of that cachet and that core star power and feed into it and groom and build into it rather than turn it over. And I think that that has a lot more to do with why, as long as I've been doing the podcast, the conversation every September is, is this the year (laughs) when everybody goes, is this the year when we start the new era? That's not SNL. There's no such thing as an SNL era anymore. And people need to start to understand that SNL is just, an institution, a juggernaut that pushes forward and people come and go and you're not going to have these huge sea changes. Now, occasionally a bunch of contracts are going to line up where a bunch of people do leave all at once, <laughs> but that's not, that's not going to be because the show has calculated that way for mm-hmm. years out and decided, you know, this is our line where we're going to begin our new era and let the other people come up and own the stage. It's that was just a good aside be... to add for security, by the way. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. You know, extending this sort of, how we're looking at it as a transition into, you know, to where, you know, by the time it is, you know, the Heidi and Ego show, you know, and we've lost, say, you know, Kate and Adie and Cecily, mm-hmm. we're pretty, we're very, very comfortable with them. There's no period yes. of discomfort of like, oh, can they handle it? It's like, right. it's like this, like, 
we held hands for a couple seasons and now we just feel good. So it is it's definitely like less jarring and less anxiety producing for diehard fans. And as much as as much as we would love to be, the people like us and the people that, you know, maybe frequent the the subreddit or Twitter. <laughs> right. Yeah. As much as as much as we may say, man, we've seen a lot of Kate. The world at large has not, you know, like right. we are not representative of the entire yes. country to say, like, you know, the people who are much more casual viewers that make up the majority of their audience, really, uh, that's there. She's the person they know. She's mm-hmm. she's the person they want to see. So, yeah, they're not going to be, you know, anxious, anxious to move on to their new era yep. when that's still what most people are looking for. Yep. That's okay. what SNL I'm, means to them, you know. Exactly. Everyone thinks that when someone gets to the top of their contract, it's their time to go. And they think that the show views it that way too. And I think there's, there's good reasons for wanting to see people leave the show from a fan perspective, but for the production, why would they want to prematurely cut ties with a crowd pleaser like Kate McKinnon? Why wouldn't they Mm -hmm. want to keep her around as long as she is the face of the show and the one people are tuning in for? Like, why would you ever kill the golden goose? So Mm -hmm. the show again, isn't thinking of, well, they're at seven years. We don't think that we're going to get anything great out of them. So we might as well just cut them loose. They're, they're probably thinking, well, more of the same, please. You know, the audience loves you. Let's do that again. Let's, let's get you back. What, what do we need to do to make this happen? I think those are the conversations that are happening. And that's why another tool that SNL's learned is we don't need to be precious about guarding our talent from branching out and still staying on the show. There used to be, uh, you know, more hard and fast rules with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But now I think Lauren realizes, or the show at large realizes that, okay, maybe this player needs to go film a movie and they can only be in 10 episodes a season, still having them in the marquee, having them in the open mon- the opening montage and having them, uh, sprinkle throughout the season for continuity and to bring comfort to the people that are tuning in for them, like to give people the familiar faces so that they also have time to embrace the new faces isn't a bad idea. Um, mm-hmm. And the nice thing about that is they don't have to pay them for the time they're not there. And that opens up some budget <laughs> for a new featured player. So I think the trend over the next few years is going to be a lot of people sticking around, but you end up getting eight episodes out of 21 from them per season because they do have extracurriculars mm-hmm. and they're only willing to sign up for, you know, like a partial engagement to the show but it keeps these familiar faces around so i think we're going to see more of that yeah well you know that that's a great point and you know i think it's always important to bring up different ways of looking at these things other than just the purely fan perspective (laughs) yes because yeah the the show the show is they want to make money and they want to have viewers right it's not it's not just about pleasing (laughs) us the fans so thank thank you john for uh reminding us of that hashtag not my snl yeah Right. Well, let's let's move on. Let's talk about these these new people we've got in here. Let let's discuss what we think their their things are going to be. We've got three new featured players. So we have Aristotle Athari. I couldn't find a certain pronunciation of his name, so I hope I got it right. Uh, he's he's been on uh, Silicon Valley. He played the guy with the, with the chair pants. Uh, he was in Goat Face with Hassan Minhaj, and he's directed some stand up specials. Uh, we also got James Austin Johnson, who kind of blew up virally on Twitter for having a really, really good Trump impression. He was also in Hail Caesar and many other sort of small movie roles and TV roles. And then 
Last but not least, Sarah Sherman, who a lot of people know as Sarah Squirm, who does a lot of sort of body horror, like horror comedy, alt comedy stuff. So, yeah, those are our three new faces coming in. I don't know if y'all had the chance to really look into anything. Uh, I did. But, Steve, do you have any, any thoughts on these these people? Well, Aristotle, if they you know, I hear that name. My first thought is that's the first guy I've ever heard of who's named Aristotle, except for Aristotle. <laughs> and then I put it together that he was uh, Gabe from Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. a small but memorable character. And <laughs> anybody who's a fan of that show, uh, you know, we don't have to get into it, but uh, that character that he plays is, is meant to get under your skin. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very successful. <laughs> uh, Definitely. Uh, in that uh, intent. You got to owe it to Aristotle for a very... Uh, patient and and controlled performance there and i remember watching that thinking that's a guy i want to pay attention to this this is a guy who uh finds like a subtle under layer like your like your heidi's um people like that so she uh he's very welcome on the cast when i realized he was gabe that was all the audition that i needed personally to (laughs) to welcome him on the cast uh, yeah, this one's this one's interesting too because like usually, I mean not always, but with featured players, they don't always have like a ton of acting credits or a ton of TV and movie credits. Uh but but this guy has has a pretty extensive resume. So that that's really interesting to see see that kind of coming in. Uh I'm and he he <laughs> his headshot that they posted looks like a statue. Yeah. Uh like he is a very pretty man i will say uh not to objectify him but uh just like it's uh, like pretty is is an intentional word that i did choose uh very striking features uh that i didn't notice when he was gay but i did notice in that headshot but yeah good resume i'm definitely excited to see what he brings to the show he honestly looked like cgi to me when i saw that movie. he did john you got any thoughts on aristotle yeah he is quite striking um I have absolutely no thoughts on him. Um, I was familiar with uh, Silicon Valley. So that's, it's nice to see that they're pulling in some people that aren't coming through the traditional paths that typically lead to SNL. That's kind of cool. And I think that that's actually pretty true of all of our hires this year. I don't know if that's a COVID thing, like maybe just scouting clubs in person, you know, because that's kind of been disrupted. Maybe that's forced them to to look in, in some other places, but I don't know. Like these are new kind of hires. I, I'm I'm not really sure what they're going to bring to the show or what the show is looking for, but across the board, I'm just intrigued. And that's really all I can say is uh, these are very interesting hires and not the conventional type of hires that I would have expected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be weird seeing how James Austin Johnson plays out because a lot of the videos I watched of him, uh, you know, and what's best about them is that they're based around improv. All of his Trump impressions, uh, he basically starts with a general topic and he's tapped so well into the mental train wreck of, of Trump's <laughs> uh, ramblings. He can really, uh, you know, ad lib those Trumpisms effortlessly. Mm. And obviously, that's not a skill that directly translates to things that are valuable on snl so yeah maybe i have to look further into what he's capable of 
but it, it's hard to see what he's yeah. directly going to bring to the show right now. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a Trump impression isn't uh, worth as much anymore, <laughs> but I assume based on how incredible that impression is that he's going to be a pretty right. talented impressionist. Yeah. Uh, so I'm definitely intrigued. I haven't really caught much, many more of his impressions online, but I'm sure he's got a lot. And I'm definitely excited to see how they hold up and how they use him because, you know, we've had people like Melissa Villasenor come in who, who everybody pegged to be a big impressionist because she is so good at doing, you know, the voices, especially of an impression. So I'm interested to see if, if he will make a name for himself that way or if he's maybe got, you know, something else to, to throw at us and we'll be, you know, taken aback. But he seems like, he seems like, uh, of these three, he is the most conventional to me, actually. Like he's the one where I was like, yeah. okay, yeah, this one, this is what I expected. Right. Um, right. Sarah Sherman, on the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> is out of left field. Uh-oh. And I don't mean that as any way of even a commentary of her talent or skill or comedy so much as I have no idea what she's bringing to the show because it's, Nothing I've seen her do said SNL to me. Like, I don't know what they're going to let her do. I don't know what she's planning on doing. Uh, it, it's fully a wild card to me. And I mm-hmm. think she's very funny, but not someone I, I necessarily would have even thought wanted a job at SNL, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so n- just very, very truly <laughs> no idea what to expect from mm-hmm. her. Um, but it should be interesting. Uh, <laughs> Sarah John, Sherman, any thoughts there? The network Just, television hire. Yeah. Part of the fun of coming back to SNL season after season is finding out what these hires are going to bring. Because, yeah, you, you see someone, you say, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand. I don't, I don't know how this is going to gel with, again, what I feel SNL is, is supposed to be or how the ensemble is supposed right. to be, is supposed to work. Um, this, again, it's just a hire that intrigues me because I, I just don't know how, how that came about or what they saw what she auditioned with maybe what was in her, maybe she did a writing submission and they just, they know there's a voice there and they just know that it's going to speak to the culture that they feel they need to be tapping into. Like there's, there's something special that they know about her and I want to find it out. And that's why I'm going to tune in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steve, any, any great insight? Well, first of all, I'm scared to death of her. Uh, <laughs> she just scares me. She makes me uncomfortable. Uh, this is, <laughs> you know, I thought I had seen it all. You know, I, I've tuned into Adult Swim and have watched enough Eric Andre to to think I was ready for anything you could throw at me in the realm of anti-comedy. Uh, but she's really taken it to another level. And, you know, if you asked me if Eric Andre would ever get hired on SNL, uh, I would have said no. But it seems more likely than someone like this getting hired. So, yeah, it's going to be. Interesting, because she's built this name of Sarah Squirm, and as far as I can see, it she's she's hired to be billed as Sher- Sarah Sherman, which is not a name she goes by in her uh, in her work. Right. So she's, I guess, she's somewhat shedding this persona and and stepping out to something more more palatable, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But like John talked about, how we think we know what SNL is supposed <laughs> to be. Uh, this is a step in a direction that's I don't think uh, been gone to to this extreme. So it's an exciting time. Yeah. And I mean, I did see she has a a few writing credits on some, you know, not scary things. So there, I mean, there definitely there's, 
maybe something under there that you know we're not seeing based on her social media. Or, I mean, almost certainly is, uh, but definitely, <laughs> definitely interested to see. And I and like I said, not even as a comment on her t- talent or or anything. Like I think she is funny. I'm just interested to see how it shakes out on SNL in particular. Yep, going to be interesting. Uh. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, we have certainly talked a lot about everything preseason we can and uh we got a couple more days until we're into it and mm-hmm. i can't wait yeah it's gonna be fun here we go again for sure can't wait to talk about it but for now that's a wrap thanks to steve finn and john murray and thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Grace Kogan, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever better podcasts can be found. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back next week to cover SNL's Season 47 premiere with host Owen Wilson and musical guest Casey Musgraves. But until then... This has been episode number 141 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it.